Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Academy Securities Geopolitical and Macro Strategy Podcast. I'm your host, Andy Robinson, and I'm joined by Rachel Washburn, Major General Spider Marks, and Peter Chur. Today, we will be discussing the formation of the United States Space Force. What does that mean in regards to the other branches of the military and how that might affect the defense and aerospace sector? So with that, we'll jump right into it. Rachel? Sir, yesterday, the Vice President and the Secretary of Defense announced that there would be a plan to move forward with the Space Force. Obviously, there's a lot of work that needs to be done before Congress can approve the creation of a new branch of the military, but can you discuss you know, what a Space Force mission would be and why it is um, important to the Defense Department's strategic objectives? Yeah, I would say that the creation of a Space Force is an inevitability. There are, certainly will be a lot of discussions around its practicality, its cost, its relevance vis-a-vis what missions are already being performed by the various forces. The predominant owner, if you will, in air quotes, the owner of space right now is the Air Force. But clearly, I I would say that the creation of the Space Force, whether it's going to take place in two years as required, or at least as offered up by the administration as the start date, or 20 years, it's inevitable. It's going to happen. Um, so I think it's important for us to to kind of get our arms around why we think this is moving in this direction. Why now? And the old expression, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. And I would suggest that there are folks within the Department of Defense that are of that position right now. But I, I think it's fair to say this is going to happen. It's just a matter of when. And we need to figure out what this looks like. So it doesn't break the bank. A a few things very specifically. First of all, um, as you indicated, Rachel, space is a domain of war. Uh, There are five domains of war, as a a reminder to everyone. You have space, you have air, you have sea, and you have land, and you have cyber. The space domain of war has had many claimants and users over the course of the last 65, almost 70 years. All the services are in space, and our commerce, our economics, our ability to conduct what I would call traditional aspects of economy are in space. You know, look, by definition, the economy is the production or the use of products and services. That's what we do in space. You know, you can't use an ATM unless we have a set of satellites and a constellation of satellites that allows us to do this. We can't navigate without space. Our GPS systems are space-based. We can't collect intelligence. We can't conduct communications. We can't engage in a very flat environment of through the use of the internet or our engagements with media and consumption of information without space. So we all understand that. And I think it's important that we acknowledge that space is a domain of war. It's also a domain of commerce. It's where we conduct uh, activities on a routine basis. That's number one. Number two is, I think it's important that we have a single owner, as many would say, a single dog to kick in terms of how do we consolidate our creative juices and how we can manifest uh, best practices in space. So all things space need to have some degree of structure to it. And many would say, well, then what are the third point? What are the functions that we want to try to 
consolidate in space or let's delineate those and how are they? And we've essentially discussed some of those, you know, the constellation of satellites for command and control, for intelligence collection, for commerce, for locational data, access to economies and markets and personal access to our own cash and our own portfolios is absolutely essential that we have a solid structure in terms of what our space presence looks like. So the basic economic functions of production and consumption are necessary for us to exist in space. And that, in my mind, is a compelling reason for us to move in the direction and embrace the fact that a space force is inevitable. I think it's also, very briefly, I I think it's something that we, we have to be cautious about. We can't as they say in sports, you know, you can't increase speed and distance at the same time. You're going to end up with ripping your Achilles or, or your hamstring. So let's not jump immediately into space, create a space force and say, yep, here we are. I think there are some steps that we have to walk through. And maybe the creation of a space command as an initial way station in the inevitable arrival of a space force is probably the way to go. You know, look, the two combatant commanders that exist today are the Cyber Command and the Strategic Command, and those, I would say, are the two co-owners of space. Again, taking a step back, we have major commands that are geographically based, and we have commands that are functionally based. Geographically based commands are things like the European Command, the Indo-Pacific Command, the Central Command. Those that are functionally based are things like Special Operations Command, the Transportation Command, and again, Cyber Command. So when you overlay those two together, all of those geographic and functional commands have requirements and have a routine presence in space. I think the deconfliction and the synchronization of those demands in space is where the Space Force comes in, and I can see that the creation of the Space Force really would allow us to be far more vibrant in space. And it's just not to protect those assets in space, but it's to fully exploit what space provides us. And there are untapped imaginative ideas around what we can do in space that we simply are not doing right now. Sir, what sort of threats do you see the Space Force mitigating? Like, is it a nation state? Is it a capability? Uh, Can you talk through why this function is really specifically necessary and, and who the threats are and what they look like? Yeah, I think that's a that's a great question. Your question really focuses on, you know, what's the threat that would be the impetus for a space force? I don't see it as necessarily threat-based. In fact, I really see it as the, uh, frankly, the doctrine that surrounds all of our forces is not exclusively threat-based. It's capabilities-based. What do we want to try to achieve? Let's put the initiative on our lap. Let's Let's take the offensive and move forward from there and describe what it is we are, we're trying to achieve. So I think initially the discussion will be around what are the threats, what are we trying to protect, what is our concern about space that is the motivator for the creation of a space force. We'll address that. And I would say you know, the Chinese have an increasing capability. Certainly the Russians have an increasing capability. The, the discussions with North Korea right now their ability to launch satellites through space, out of into space and out of space so that they can re-enter with some degree of precision and capability on the ground, moves us in the direction in a quicker pace and with heightened urgency, with heightened concern, that there are things that we must protect to ensure that we don't lose ground in space. 
The other side of that coin is, where do we really want to set the pace in terms of the use of space and to use it to our advantage so that we can dominate in space and use it to maximum capacity? And in many cases, where are those areas in space, those functions in space that we currently are not exploiting that will be inevitably a part of our national security as well as our economic security and our survivability as a nation moving forward. That's the impetus in my mind of having a single entity called the Space Force that has that as its primary objective. Let's maximize U.S. capabilities in space. Let's start that now. Let's move in the right direction. And let's figure out what the timeline looks like in order to achieve that full functionality. Spider, do you have any thoughts on kind of who wins, who loses from a business standpoint? Is this going to cause, you know, certain companies to benefit because satellites become cheaper to launch or are they going to have to pay for some of this? What do you kind of see as the economic outcome? Is there going to be more M&A in the defense and aerospace business? You know, where do we see this headed? That's a great question, Peter. My view of this, and I would tell you the initial conversations around the creation of a space force will inevitably circle around and focus in on the Space Force being budget neutral. In other words, what existing capabilities are there today that would then be corralled by this new Space Force so that we can maximize what is and then build from there? I think the immediate loser will be the Air Force. And I would expect the Air Force certainly will get behind what the president wants to try to achieve, but there will be some very deep discussions about that. Because if it is budget neutral, then what exists in the Air Force right now to accommodate and meet existing requirements for space access and space use, we'll move to this new force. This is the creation of a, of a new military force, first time since the Air Force was created in 1947. So it's been over 70 years that the Air Force as a separate entity has been in place. This will be the first one in that amount of time. So there is some clearly some hesitance because the initial bill payer for this Space Force will be the youngest force that exists, and that's the Air Force. I do think there will be some enhanced M&A activity. I do think that defense and aerospace industry will be the big winners and those that have a current presence in space in terms of the various technologies that we use today to access space, in terms of intelligence collection, exploitation, our uh, amazing constellation of satellites on the intelligence collection side, both in terms of imagery and in terms of signals intelligence, in terms of measurements and signatures intelligence, a thing called Mazent. It's quite phenomenal, and we park those capabilities in different parts of space. Those are going to have to be protected as they are today. They will probably be enhanced, and you'll have a single force whose requirement will be to ensure that we not only protect those, but we can exploit new capabilities. So I think it's fair to say your, your question is absolutely spot on. There will be winners and losers. I think the Air Force is going to have a heartburn with the Space Force, and I think there will be aerospace and defense industries that will be big winners because of the consolidation of this capability and this force. Sir, how are other nation states engaging in this domain of war? What kind of presence do they have? We have a presence in space that's pretty extensive right now. A whole host of nations 
are not only what I would say dipping their toes in a presence in space, but in many cases have some very deep experience in terms of accessing accessing space to their advantage. You know, there is a huge collection of commercial satellites uh, that provide a whole host of intelligence collection as well as navigational capabilities. Clearly, none of those in terms of our access to those capabilities are necessarily classified. There are highly classified capabilities in space, not only that the United States has, but a whole host of nations. I would say the, the large presence in space of Chinese, Russian, French, that, that's a mix of capabilities, but those are capabilities that we're very much aware of. And the United States exploits those as well. I mean, our, a, lot, a large consumption of navigational data as well as open source intelligence collection is done through commercial platforms in space right now. So it's a very vibrant, competitive landscape, if you will. The fact that it appears in many cases to be the Wild West, where there aren't many rules. There, there are many rules. Let me be frank. There are many rules surrounding access to space. But to ensure our continued dominance and access, I can see why the United States right now is moving in the direction of trying to create a capability that gives us a sole command and a sole focus whose only job every day is to ensure that we have unfiltered access and enhanced capabilities in space. Well, thank you to Rachel, Peter, and Spider for this conversation. And thank you to our listeners for taking the time. Academy Securities is a service-disabled veteran-owned investment bank with a social mission to hire, train, and mentor military veterans to develop careers in finance. If you would like to engage our team directly, please email us at info at academysecurities.com. I'm your host, Andy Robinson, and thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of the Academy Securities Geopolitical and Macro Strategy Podcast. Looking forward to talking to you again next week. Have a good one.